What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to The Graveyard. I'm The Graveyard Gamer, and thank you for joining me for this episode of Graveyard Gaming. Now, in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about three games that I was wrong about. And what do I mean I was wrong about? These are three games that when they were coming out or right as they released, my mindset was either meh or yeah, that's just not for me. Or in one case, I was like, you know what? That game just looks very pretentious. What games are those? Because I would eventually go on to love those games. Also, I want to talk about the graveyard shift and all the cool stuff I've been doing. And then I want to actually talk about my thoughts on the rumor about Xbox looking to acquire a Japanese publisher. That's right. Xbox is looking to continuously buy publishers, buy studios. Now they're looking into a Japanese one. I got some strong feelings on that and I want to get into that. So let's start off and let's talk about those three games that I was wrong about. So gamers, when I talk about these three games that I was wrong about, I want you to understand that number one, you can find the reviews for these games all right here on this podcast. I reviewed all of them. Also, at the same time, I love these games so much that I went and I earned the platinum in it. So it went from me being like, nah, I'm not really going to play that, to being like, oh my god, I don't want to leave this world. I was loving it. So without further ado, let's start with that first game. And that first game that I'm going to talk about is Control. Look, I'll be honest with you. There's nothing about this game that I thought look bad. I just didn't think it looked very good. I was very meh about it. My good friend Hulking Yona over at Lost at Sea Gaming Podcast, writer and anchor, great gaming podcast, he tried to convince me. In the months leading up to his release, once it came out, he had played it, he loved it, he kept just trying to get me to do it, but I just wasn't biting. Like I said, it didn't think it looked bad, but nothing about it made me go, I want to play that game. So on a whim, based on his recommendation in early 21, I ended up picking it up. So the game had been out for over a year at this point, a year and some change, and I ended up picking it up, but I still didn't even play it. In fact, it had almost been four or five months before I played it, and honestly, I kind of forgot I had it. The cool thing, because I delayed playing it for so long, I actually was able to do the free PS5 upgrade, and I gotta tell you, that was awesome, because one of the first things that happened is I started feeling the movement in the dual sense. right? This is a few months into my time with the PS5, I really only played at that point, yes, Astro's Playroom that definitely takes advantage of the dual sense, but the vast majority of my time had been spent with Assassin's Creed Valhalla, which, yeah, it had a PS5 upgrade, but it didn't do a whole lot with that dual sense. Meanwhile, control right out the gate, you feel everything with that dual sense, so I'm already blown away. On top of that, everything about the combat in the game is just so responsive. I mean, flight is so well done. You know, picking up objects and throwing them. All of this stuff, not only do you fill it with dual sense, but just in general, the controls. I'm sitting there going, holy crap, this is like one of the best superhero games that have ever come out. And it's not even a superhero game. And then you add in the gunplay. Like, you have a gun in this game. You can have three different versions of the gun as the more you advance, the more you unlock. And it's so well done because those three versions of this gun, not only does it look cool as the gun changes in front of your face, but also... They each employ a different type of technique to fight the enemies. And I just was kind of blown away. Like, how did I sleep on this game? It is so fun to play. Graphically, it was one of the best looking games I'd ever played at that time. Like, I was blown away by how much I just, I loved it. Each area of the house, as they call it, is different. I mean, one room looks like a giant vent you go through. And it's beautiful because there's a light in front of you. So, you know, you're kind of in the middle of this big beam of light. There's one area that it just... Looks like your hometown, just like a small diagram you can kind of run through or whatever. Different rooms, and they'll change, and they'll move. And then you have a hotel you keep popping into that just, oh, man, 
it really looked like an old 90s hotel from like Twin Peaks or even from like the Alan Wake game, which is another thing I loved about this game because I loved Alan Wake and this really built on that. So many ties into that before you even get to the DLC, just straight up ties to Alan Wake and Easter eggs and nods that Remedy was sitting there building a world that they wanted to incorporate all of their previous games and I was here for it. I loved it. Now the story, I'll admit, I thought was really cool, really interesting. But a little bit complicated and things that I just didn't quite understand. I hope they kind of fix that as they go towards Alan Wake 2. Because Remedy does have a habit of kind of going down a rabbit hole with some deep stuff but never making it clear. So I hope they fix that and kind of tighten that up with Alan Wake 2. Obviously with the Max Payne remake. Hopefully the story stays good in there as well. One other thing is not only the graphics look, but I want to say the style about the graphics. First off, let me just say the graphics are amazing. Because this next part might seem kind of odd. But they almost had like a 1970s style sci-fi look to them, right? Like the, the lighting and the colors that they used, they were very almost muted to the point that you thought, hey, if this game would have came out, in the, if the technology existed back then, this is what it would look like. It was kind of an homage to that style of sci-fi and I dug it. I thought it looked good. Again, that's not to say this game looked dated or old. It just had a certain style to it. So for me, I'll be honest with you. This is the type of game as well that when you get done playing it, you're like, man, I want DLC because I don't want to leave this world. It was absolutely fantastic, guys. If you're like me and you're kind of like, eh, another third-person action game, no. Control is absolutely worth your time and definitely check it out. Gamers, the next game I want to talk about is Ghost of Tsushima. And look, this is probably one of my biggest gaming blunders. I'm not going to lie. When I talk about games I was wrong about, this is definitely the key one here. And I say that because... When the game came out, I was hyped for it. I ended up renting the game from my local library. I was kind of like, let me just try it out first. And I put a couple hours and I enjoyed it. Decided a couple months later, okay, cool. I'm gonna actually check it out again. I have about a month until Assassin's Creed Valhalla comes out and I wanna sit there and I wanna play through this game before Valhalla drops. Well, gamers, what ended up happening is I only put about 11 hours and I don't think I realized it, but at the time I was trying to rush through the game. I was trying to at least beat the game. It started off trying to get a platinum. Then it was like, let me just beat the game. Let me whatever I could do, and it made me not enjoy the game. So I kind of just put it away, and I was like, no, this game is just not for me. What ended up happening is Hulking Yoda. I mean, this guy loves this game. He's also got a great review that I talk about. I got one. He's got one on his podcast, and he just kept talking about it. It was his game of the year, and eventually in early 2021, I was like, all right, I got this work trip coming up. Let me pick it up. Gamers, I started playing it, and it was like the final mission that I had completed, or I got stuck on, I should say, before I stopped playing it all those months ago, I, I was able to get through that with no problem. So I no longer had this pressure of beating the game by a certain time. I could just take my time with it, and I did. I took my time, I learned the characters better, I learned how the game works, I explored this beautiful world, and I just absolutely fell in love with it. The cool thing is I recently picked up the PS5 upgrade, to the director's cut, I cannot wait to start playing that game. But gamers, there's so much about this game that I absolutely loved. The story in this game was amazingly crafted as well. Even to the very end, you will feel all of your emotions, I promise you that. The developers use not only the great looking character models to express emotion, not only the great voice actors that they use to really kind of carry the story going, the different animations, all of that, but also the graphics and the environment. The way that as you were talking, 
the wind would start to blow and kind of add a little bit to you. Subconsciously watching this game and you're like, oh, you feel the emotion. The music would swell. Just everything about it. The different seasons were reflected in the different areas of the islands you went to. I absolutely thought it was so good. And you get to the end and it's just so well done. And you know what? Here's the thing. I talk about how good the story is. I talk about the graphics. I didn't even talk about the swordplay because the swordplay was so well done, so nuanced. It wasn't just Assassin's Creed and, and you know, you're sneaking around and it's an Assassin's Creed clone. No, this is like very nuanced gameplay, like different defenses with your swords, different styles, different other items you can equip and use. I mean, this is one of those games that it starts off and people call it a, a different clone, right? It's an Assassin's Creed clone. Well, now Assassin's Creed has a game, Assassin's Creed Red, coming out where you're in Japan, and everybody's like, oh, this is a Ghost of Tsushima clone. That's how good Ghost was. It broke the barriers of being a clone to now the next game in the series it was cloning is now its clone, if that makes any sense. Kind of like when Uncharted came out and it was quote-unquote Dude Raider, and then when Tomb Raider rebooted itself, it became very similar to Uncharted. That's what happened here with Ghost of Tsushima. Like I said... This was absolutely amazing. It is definitely not a clone. It is a full-on masterpiece from Sucker Punch. And I can't believe that I started playing the game going, yeah, this just ain't for me. Gamers, the third game that I'm going to talk about is a game I've talked about a decent amount on this show, but I'm going to keep talking about it because it ended up being my game of the year, the year that I played it, and that is Death Stranding. Look, when this game was being released, I called it pretentious. Because here's the deal, man. We just saw these trailers, but we didn't really know what was going to happen. I'm a huge fan of Hideo Kojima, but all I can sit there and go is, Man, he's not with Konami anymore. He's on his own studio. He's been let off his leash. It's just going to be wild. It's going to be weird. And I just hope it makes sense because why are they keeping things so complicated? We didn't know. Was this game survival horror? Was it horror? Was it action? We didn't know anything. It wasn't even until closer to the release that we understood that you were kind of a mailman. And they would use buzzwords like connecting and all this stuff. And you're just like, "Mm, I don't quite understand what this game is. So what ended up happening is... Around Christmas of 2019, I was deciding between three games to pick up. Control, Shinmu 3, and Death Stranding. And the deal is, if you follow the show, you know I've loved all three of those games. But I picked up Death Stranding. It looked different. I kind of needed a break from just playing another action-adventure game. I knew at that point, after it released, it had been out for about a month, that you know what, okay, I see it. It's going to be, you know, delivering stuff. Maybe it could be cool, maybe not. Curiosity really got the better of me when I decided to play this game. Here's the deal, it didn't take me long at all to fall in love with this game. Yeah, Hideo Kojima was off the leash, but in the best possible way. The story is complicated, but it's original, and it's not so overly complicated that you don't understand what's going on. Yes, there's a lot of lore here, and yes, Hideo Kojima has said that even he doesn't quite understand all of it, but it's, I think that people have kind of jumped on that and played with it. If you play the game, you get the idea. And I absolutely can't even talk about how addicting the gameplay loop is. I mean, I would pick up these deliveries from places that were part of your main story. And on the way, you find different little people. And I would pick up stuff from them and realize, oh, I can make this delivery. I can make this one. Oh, while I'm here dropping this up, I can pick another one up. And it would become this loop, literally a loop in the map world where I'd be trying to drop these things off. And I just was so into it. Then you would unlock new items and things like zip lines where you sit there at first and you're like, okay, well, I can build a zip line, but how does that help me? Now I got to go build another one to connect it. But what ended up happening is the connecting parts that they talked about would work in the fact that some other player. Now, I know in the director's cut, which I plan to pick up very soon, 
You can actually use your friends as well. You can work with them. But when the game first released, you couldn't. Nobody in your friends was would ever pop up, be on that same server. And understand, you never see these people, right? It's all just the items that they used in the world would be left behind. If you were on that same server, however it worked, the technical aspect, I'm not sure, but you would run up and you'd see somebody had built another zip line. So you're like, okay, cool, I'm gonna connect to that one. Cool, now I can build one. Oh, look, there's another one. So next thing you know, you start chaining these zip lines. Now they don't leave from your world. Once you've activated them, once they're in your world, you're there. But how awesome is it? You're running up to a cliff and you're like, crap, I don't have a rope. But oh, look, Honky Dog 213 on PSN already left a rope and I can use it and climb down. Now you have the option. I can pick that rope up and take it or I can leave it for somebody else. You're constantly getting updates that people liked different things. Just like Facebook, they like it. People will leave signs out saying, hey, watch out, man. This is a death stranding event. There's dead up here. Don't go here or be prepared. I loved it, guys. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed that. It was very really well done because it actually was very meta in a way because the story with Sam Porter Bridges is, hey, you're trying to get people connected on this Cairo network, rebuild society. People don't go out of their houses anymore because, you know, hey, rain will mess you up and obviously there's floating ghosts around. But if you can connect them on this kind of internet thing, everybody can start to rebuild society in a different way. The interesting thing is the entire time you're playing the game, you're connecting with different people all over the world that you don't really know. So I just was absolutely blown away. Again, the story was good, but man, I gotta talk about the graphics because oh my word, they were so good. Like on the PS4, I don't know why this game doesn't get more praise because here's the deal. You could tell that they went to Iceland and that's where they used a lot of references because oh man, it is so well done. And then you add in the addictingness of just trying to walk through the world. Like everybody's like, oh, it's a walking similar. No, it's not. That is. Part of what is so amazing about it is using your straps to tighten up your bag. The more you carry, the more you can kind of get lopsided. And then you can scan the environment and you'll see where some areas are just green. They're easy to walk across. Some are yellow, meaning okay, you might have to adjust which side of your strap you're pulling. And then red, meaning okay, this is going to be tough to climb. Like it was so addicting. It was something so simple was so awesome. And it just, you blend it with these beautiful looking graphics. And it's so easy to get caught in that world. Again, gamers, I can't tell you just how much I absolutely loved Death Stranding. And look, all three of these games, I talked about it. I was, eh, but they changed my mind. I was wrong. I was ready to write all of these games off either before release or shortly after trying them out. But after playing them, I just fell in love with them. Earning those Platinums, doing as much as I can. Look, two of these games, I'm trying to upgrade to the PS5 because I just want to play more in that world. Gamers, I cannot tell you how much I love these games. I want you to try these games out. I want you to check out my reviews for them. Listen to more in-depth detail. I don't want to get too in-depth here. Listen to them and understand why I love them. And I hope if you haven't played it, it convinces you to pick these games up. Especially considering, as I said, I realize all three of these games have a PS5 version that you can try out if you have a PS5. Okay, gamers, let's go into Controversy Corner, as I call it. Look... It, a couple weeks ago, I talked about Xbox, and you know what? Here's the deal. I don't dislike Xbox. The only reason I don't have an Xbox is I have very limited time to game. It doesn't make sense to have more than one console, and ultimately, at the end of the day, I love PlayStation, so why wouldn't I just continue with the PlayStation brand? But there are certain things this generation that have bugged me about Xbox, and it's really hyped because of the people online, the Xbox influencers, as I'll call them, that just hype up all these things knock Sony down and never reference what 
Microsoft is doing. Here's the deal. Here's what has bugged me. I have recently seen a rumor that Xbox is looking to acquire, aka straight out buy, a Japanese publisher. Again, we're not talking a small studio that they're like, hey, we could work with. No, they're looking at buying a giant studio to get access to all their games to put them on Game Pass. Now, full stop, you listen to that and you're an Xbox player, like, cool, I can access all these games for free, as they call it, on Game Pass. Here's my problem with that. Number one, again, why doesn't Xbox just build their own stuff? Here's the deal. Right now, I don't think Xbox has their own culture. I think for a long time they did. See, Sony does. Sony has this long list of games. They have this style. You know when Sony's going to announce a new game, it's going to be an awesome story-driven game. We know that they're going to expand into different multiplayer aspects. They're working on that, even mobile. But we know at the core, Sony's culture is developing these awesome, a lot of times third-person action-adventure games with strong emphasis on story. And they are so well done, so well crafted. The problem is, what is Xbox's culture? I think they had something on Xbox One. I think they really gained a lot of momentum with it and was developing new games and new IPs on the 360. Now you get an Xbox One area, and I do think that they really kind of had a culture, but toward the end of it, as great as they were, as trying to come back, because they definitely got a knocked down at the beginning of that generation. But going at the end of that, into now, what's their culture? What are the games that Xbox produces on their own? They're not. Going into the Xbox Series X generation, what they're doing is they're just going and buying other studios, right? They bought Bethesda and have access to all their games to quote-unquote make, make it better for Game Pass. But really and truly, it's just to say, hey, look, this is why you buy a Game Pass. This is why you buy Xbox. They're trying to buy Activision. Why? So that they can have Call of Duty and the Blizzard games and all that. And again, it's not even like they went out and really bumped up. They have Halo. They have Halo that used to be the biggest first-person shooting game series in the world. And they've kind of just let it go to focus on buying Activision to have Call of Duty. Why didn't you just bump up Halo and make it competitive, right? Have your own thing. Now they're looking at buying an overseas Japanese studio. Like, what in the world? Like, why don't you develop? You have your own in-house studio. Why don't you use it? Look, there is a big difference between something like Sony does where they go out and they buy a small studio. And they say, look, we've worked with you in the past. We want you part of our brand. That way we can really just work together going forward. Or they go to something like Square Enix and they say, look, Final Fantasy VII, we'd like to really push this for our PlayStation gamers. Can we get a timed exclusive? Sure. Or, you know, hey, Final Fantasy XVI, again, can we make this exclusive? Can we give people a reason to go PlayStation? We will help you with the funding and the development of that game. That is a big difference in them going, hey, we're just going to outright buy your studio. Because look, at the end of the day, I know people can say, what's a choice to sell? It's not really a choice when you are a publicly traded company and you have shareholders to answer to. And all those shareholders could make a lot of money if you sell. That's the reason why they invest, to make that money. So you kind of lose that traction when Microsoft goes, we got all the money in the world. That's a big difference than trying to work with somebody and just getting contracts. And there's been so much that gets overlooked and gets thrown back at Sony. Like the recent thing that come out was the contracts about them saying, hey, don't you know make better versions than what you can make for Sony. And people were going crazy. But we had different developers come out saying, whoa, you guys are misinterpreting that. It's not saying that Xbox can't do a better version of the game. It just means you can't make a crappy version on PlayStation, a great version on Xbox, just to sell Xbox copies. Meanwhile, you've got Xbox going out there buying this stuff. And I'm going, Xbox, what is your deal? Yeah, this one bugs me because, look, 
I'm a guy that one of my favorite movie heroes is Indiana Jones. And because Xbox is so shady about doing stuff like, hey, am I going to be able to play the Indiana Jones game when it releases next year? I don't know yet. The game's been an announcement for over a year. They've owned Bethesda for over a year. We still don't know what their exclusive deal is. I just know that I'm not going to be able to play Starfield and I'm probably not going to be able to play Elder Scrolls in the future. What about Indiana Jones? What about Wolfenstein? I've played the first two. When the third one drops, am I going to get to play it? So many different questions, variables that we don't know. We don't have an answer to these things and it's annoying. And then you sit there and you think about them buying, let's say, Sega. Gamers, do you know how just furious I'm going to be if they buy Sega and then they move everything to Game Pass and to make it exclusive at this point? I'm a guy that has sat there over the last three years and dedicated a lot of my gaming time to completing the Like a Dragon series. And I'm looking forward to the next three games. But for Xbox to just go in there and just to buy it? Come on. And I had to point this out because a lot of gamers like to kind of forget this. When I say developing a culture, guess what series was exclusive to PlayStation until 2020? That's right. The Like a Dragon series. Yakuza 0, the first game that I played... When I played it, you could only play it on PlayStation. So to spend all that time investing in it and just to have another studio going, hey, we're going to buy this. That's absolutely ridiculous. Again, I ask you, if you're an Xbox gamer, what is your culture right now in gaming? Why do you have it? Is it just Game Pass? Because here's the fallout from Game Pass, and I'm getting so tired of it, is gamers think about it. Game Pass has changed the way that gamers think about games, and here's the deal, that's not always a bad thing, but in this case, I think it is. It's a little sense of entitlement, a little sense of I can get things for free. It's let's stop supporting the developers and buy it this way. I point that out because of a couple of reasons. Number one, when Saints Row released. Now, granted, I understand Saints Row is not like a great game. I haven't played it yet, but it didn't live up to expectations. But here's the deal. So many gamers closer to the end started putting posts online saying, you know what, I think I'm just going to wait and see if it comes to Game Pass. This would be a perfect Game Pass game to try out. The soon-to-release Gotham Knights. So many people are posting about how, yeah, I kind of want to play it, but I don't know if I want to buy it. I think I just want to wait and see if it comes on Game Pass. Gamers, that is not good, right? We sit there and we're looking at games going, you know what? I don't want to buy this. I'm going to see if I can get it for free. Here's the problem with that. Look, I'm not telling you how to spend your money. I'm a guy that, yeah, man, I take advantage of waiting on sales. I take advantage of getting games from my local library, whatever it may be. But I don't sit there and look at games and just go, you know what, I kind of was going to buy this game. I would invest in it, but now pff, I'll, I'll just wait for Game Pass. More and more players that play Xbox are buying less and less games because they just wait for it to drop on Game Pass. And that is just not the way that we're going to grow this gaming culture. Xbox over the last several years hasn't done anything new. I mean, look what they've done with Halo. Halo, look, Hulking Yoda, I've talked about him in this episode. He loved the single-player story. However, what about co-op? Again, I talk about that. that used to be the biggest multiplayer console game out there. But where is it at, man? Like, we've seen them delete couch co-op. They deleted couch co-op and modders put it back in the game. When your modders are putting that in the game, that should tell you you want it. And especially a feature that is so vital to that series. They have delayed every major update over and over again to where now it's kind of a joke online. As much goodwill as Hulk and Yoda put out there for the game and how much he loved it, Xbox is almost destroying it. What about Gears? What is the, where's the next Gears at? That's a franchise they built that people loved. What about Avowed? That's a brand new IP. Why is Avowed not in the conversation? 
That thing was shown off almost two years ago, and we don't know anything about it. And how about this? How about Hellblade? Hellblade was ex first a PS exclusive. Then it came over to Xbox. Then Xbox buys the studio. Then they use that to debut their, you know, first time they're showing the Series X. They show off these graphics. It looks good. Everybody is loving it. We haven't seen anything in almost three years at this point. I think, well, I take that back. We saw one trailer, but that's it. This game was announced at the 2019 Game Awards. Where is this game at? What is going on with Xbox? You have people leaving left and right Xbox Studios. What is going on? And I'm not trying to bash Xbox. Again, I have nothing against Xbox, but I'm just looking at what they're doing and instead of working on their game. Where's the new Fable? You mean to tell me two years ago we saw a very short cinematic trailer and this past summer they're like, yeah, we can't show you anything because we're not ready. You couldn't get anything ready? I don't want to hear about the COVID. I don't want to hear about the pandemic because games are still coming out. You can't tell me you couldn't have worked on it to get it to a point to show us what it looks like. Gamers, what is Xbox doing? What are they trying to build? All they're looking to do is buy. I'm sorry, gamers. It just shows me that there's, they've lost their way. They've lost their culture right now. They need to do something because I can tell you, as much as I've always been kind of like, yeah, I'm cool with Xbox. If I got an Xbox, that'd be great. No big deal. I used to have Xbox. I love it. I'm slowly starting to be like, you know what, man? I just don't know if I want anything to do with them. I don't have anything. Understand, if you're an Xbox gamer, I have nothing wrong with you. I don't hold it against you. You play whatever system you want to. You buy and play the games. If you enjoy Game Pass, you use it. Absolutely. It's a tool at your disposal. What I'm saying is the brand Xbox, I don't like their strategy. They keep saying it's for the gamers. They keep saying it's for, you know, all the options to play wherever. It's not. I mean, my word, the recent interview they had with one of the studio heads, he basically said, yeah, well, you know what? Sony doesn't want us to play. They don't want us to buy... Call of Duty, they want competition, let us compete. There's a huge difference between you spending a couple of billion dollars to buy Call of Duty to make it exclusive after a time to Xbox because that's kind of what they're doing. Again, they're being very shady with their wording versus Sony buying a small studio to work on mobile games or buying Bungie for a big price tag, letting them remain on all consoles with Destiny and any future games, but also... You buying them because they want access to their knowledge on making online competitive games. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference between building what you got without being exclusive, working on smaller things, and just going out and buying something big. What if tomorrow you woke up and you found out in retaliation to this stuff, Sony said, you know what, screw it, we're going to go out, we're going to buy Sega, because we work well with them, we're going to buy Square Enix, and then we're going to just go all out, we're going to buy Take-Two, all of those games, exclusive to PlayStation from now on. Gamers, I got to tell you, I don't think the gaming world would like it. But right now, the Xbox influencers are trying to convince you that everything Xbox is doing is good. And yes, it is good if you have an Xbox and you can take advantage. But in the grand scheme of things for gaming, it's not good. So, I know, controversial, I get it, it's a hot take. But I would definitely love to know your thoughts on that. So gamers, what have I been doing on the Graveyard Shift? Well, I'll tell you right now, I have been playing mostly WWE 2K22. I gotta be honest with you, I've been simultaneously working through My Rise, which is the career mode, and Showcase. Look, I'll be honest with you, I've had night and day experiences with both. My Rise is fantastic, right? I will say, my career in both WWE 19 and WWE 20, while 19 was infinitely better than 20, like, they got the idea that Wrestling is about trauma, right? As much as important as to have good matches, it's about the drama and the storylines. 
And so far in 2K22, my rise, they have delivered on that. It is really less about going up in rankings and all that, but about honest stories and picking up side quests and side missions. And I've done some cool ones. Recently, I got into a feud with Damian Priest on NXT. He was a North American champion. I earned a shot at him, so he had put a bounty out for people to come in and attack me. And I'd have to fight these people off, and it was so cool. And then I finally get a match with Damian Priest, and I thought that was awesome. Because in this match, man, I was whooping his butt. He ended up reversing me right at the end, hit me with his signature and his signature. But I ended up kicking out, hit him with mine, won the title. Next up, a feud with Karen Cross, and that was awesome because first Scarlet interfered in one of my matches. And it distracted me enough that he almost got the win, my opponent at that time. Then after a match, Karen Cross, the lights go out. When it comes back on, I'm beat up in the ring. My North American title has a big X scratched across it. And it leads to us having a lights out match, which was awesome. I ended up defending my title there. Had a great time with my rise. My only issue is I don't know, like, am I picking up side missions or am I picking up real missions? Because you can either talk to people or you can use your social media app on your phone. And I'm just not sure which one you're supposed to go for these main story missions or if they're all that way. Then Showcase is a little different. See, the thing about Showcase is you're reliving Rey Mysterio's career. And let's be honest, first off, the match selection is not great. Like, you can't have this and go, okay, we're just not going to include Kurt Angle in this year's game. There's no way you can't tell me that they couldn't have reached out and worked out a deal to bring him in. He's been in the last several games. Rey Mysterio won his first world title by beating Randy Orton and Kurt Angle in a triple threat match, and we don't have that in there. Come on. You know, the short guy winning the world title, that's kind of a big deal. But outside of the match selection, I got to say my issue is just the amount of objectives in the matches. It's absolutely ridiculous. It seems like the last couple years, ever since Showcase Mode came back a few years ago, that's how these things have been. This one is just so much hand-holding. Literally, you'll start the match off and it'll tell you to do a combo. As soon as you do that combo, it pops up and says, okay, get this move. Okay, now do this one. You take all the creativity. It takes the fun out of the matches. The matches are extended way too long because you have to do so many of these things. Personally, I still think all they need to do is do it by quarters. Like you start the match up, you're just playing. Once your enemy gets a certain level of health knocked off, about a quarter, then it pops up and say, does this objective. You do that objective, and guess what, man? You get the cool cutscene where it mixes gameplay versus world footage, and then it pops back into gameplay. I'd be cool with that. You know, throw in one extra objective or side objective throughout the match. Dude, that would be cool. I would be downright awesome with it, man. It would probably feel great. It would really be cool reliving those stories but the fact is is telling you to do combos and telling you to do moves off the top rope and i just all these little nitpicking things just ruins the fun so i'm kind of sludging through showcase just so i can lock all the characters just so i can beat it but definitely kind of a low point to how high my rise is and just in general the regular gameplay of w2k22 because in my rise and in exhibition matches i'm having amazing matches Showcase mode, man, there's difficulty spikes every once in a while and just boring matches because I'm following objectives the whole time. And finally, the only other game that I've really put any time into is Lost Judgment. I've gotten back to the school stories. I'm still in the dance club, and I think what happened is a couple months ago when I kind of put the game down, I didn't get that far into it because these things are very long, they're very complex, but they're a lot of fun. So I've been kind of moving along in that. I think I'm pretty soon it'll be to the point that the game stops letting me progress and I gotta go to the robotics club. But ultimately, if you're a fan of Yakuza, if you're a fan of Judgment, these are really cool side missions that really kind of focus on being a detective, working with people, talking with people, following people if you need to, and throwing in the kind of fun 
crazy side games they have as well. So definitely been enjoying the graveyard shift this time. But like I said, I recently picked up the PS5 upgrade to Ghost of Tsushima. I expect to do that with Death Stranding. So I'm hoping on the next graveyard shift, I can tell you my thoughts on what those games are on the PS5. Well, gamers, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Graveyard Gaming. I'd love to know your thoughts on those three games that I mentioned being wrong about. I'd also love you to go check out my reviews for those. I'd love to know your thoughts on my controversy corner this week where I talked about Xbox and the lack of culture they have. Again, I don't have anything against Xbox personally. I also don't have anything against you if you're an Xbox player. But the way they're doing things has just been rubbing me wrong, and I have a bad feeling about the future. And then my graveyard shift. I'd love to know your thoughts on WWE and Lost Judgment. But with that being said, gamers, that'll do it for the show. So you can always find me at thegraveyardgamer at gmail.com if you want to reach out. And you can find me on The Graveyard Gamer on Instagram or The Graveyard G on Twitter. Till next time, I'll be creeping around the graveyard.